It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We do hope you're keeping safe and well out there. As always, you can find the show across a variety of different platforms. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boomer, across all major audio platforms. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And may I just say before we start this show, the purpose of The Last Word on Spurs is to try and provide some therapy, some joy in your lives for an hour. And unfortunately, we're sitting here talking about Tottenham Hotspur. That's going to be very, very hard to do at the moment bearing in mind what we've had to face so far this season. But I'm very lucky to be joined by three very close friends of mine, three astute podcasters that have been on this show throughout this season, talking us through the highs, talking us through the lows, trying to make sense of just what has happened to Tottenham Hotspur this season. And we are here yet again, trying to digest just where Spurs are going as a football club, what the direction is, what the philosophy, and I'm hoping in this next hour... We're going to at least come out of here with just some some kind of understanding as to what is happening to our football club. So without further ado, let me introduce the panel. I've got Chris Cowling back on the last one on Spurs. Chris, I know it's been difficult. I know even on your YouTube channel, it's, it's tough as well at the moment. It's just week after week, trying to find some kind of hope to hang on to is very difficult right now with this group of players, where we find ourselves with the current board and just what is going on with the football club at the moment. It's very, very difficult, Rick. And like you've just said, so many, um, so many lows. You know, there have been a few highs this season, but there have been so many lows this season. And, and it's, it's getting us all down as Spurs fans. Um, the direction, I don't think there is any direction at the moment. Um, it's fair to say that there are pro- problems on the pitch, off the pitch. Uh, you know, we, we haven't got a manager at the moment. We've got players that aren't playing, aren't performing. Uh, lack of ability in some areas. 
And then, of course, there's a problem with the board as well, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, you know, it's a, it's a really, really crap time for all of us Spurs fans right now. It is indeed. So it's just so, so tough at the moment to try and even sit here for an hour and talk about Tottenham. So we're just going to try, if we can, just to try and provide some form of a therapy as to what is eventually going to happen to this club. Where are we going? What is the plan? Because I think at the moment we don't find one. And one of the guys that was on this show only about a couple of weeks ago, that John Wenham took the words out of a lot of our mouths in terms of the speech he gave about this club and where we're going and what is happening to us. I mean, John... I know you're really disillusioned at the moment by the club. There's a real lack of just that connection now, that DNA, and it comes off recording here um, two years on from the Ajax game, where I know many say, don't go back and look at that game because ultimately we we didn't win a trophy. But what I would say is that game was probably the proudest I felt as a Spurs fan, where there was such a connection, such a connection between the fans, um, the players, and dare I even say the board at that point, I do feel there was some kind of, you know, there was there was a resonation there that really we have got a connection now and everyone was so together going into that cup final. And yet two years on, I can't think of a time where we feel this fragmented, both as fans, players of the club, the board, everything just seems like a complete and utter mess. Please tell me I'm, I'm, I'm making this up. No, Rick, sadly, sadly or not, you know, this is where we are. You talk about that night in Ajax, then the three-week build-up, actually, including that night, but the three-week build-up to the Champions League final was by far the proudest I'd ever been supporting the club. I don't buy into that philosophy that because a trophy wasn't won, it's a waste of time or anything like that. To me, I enjoyed that night against Ajax more than winning the League Cup against Chelsea in 2008, winning the League Cup against Leicester in 1999. Um, So for me, that was absolutely massive that night and something that will stick with me for my entire life. And I'll enjoy retelling my kids and my grandchildren one day. So, yeah, I don't really buy into the philosophy that nothing came of it because it was a special moment. And to see how far we've fallen in such a short period of time is utterly depressing, you know. And there's issues along the way, you know, the the the, the sacking of Pochettino, the hiring of Mourinho, you know, some of the disappointing transfers we've missed out on, some of the disappointing signings we've made. And those players haven't settled and haven't, justified the huge sums of money spent on them. We haven't seen the levels of performance from some of the signings we've made that you'd expect for such huge sums of money and, and salary payments. So it has been a very disappointing season as well. And, and Saturday just topped it off. It was somehow, despite the crap we've been through this season as fans, the depression we've all been put through, there was an opening. There was an opportunity. Had we won four games, and they weren't the hardest four games. We are Tottenham Hotspur. We still have the league's top goal scorer the third top goal scorer, and Gareth Bale with nine goals. So it was not impossible for us to beat Leeds, beat Wolves at home, beat Aston Villa at home, and then take it to Leicester on the last game of the season, see what happens, you know. Leicester are starting to panic now. They're in a bit of a wobble. We might have done something. But once again, an opportunity had opened for us. We don't capitalise on it. And we don't even look like the players care. You know, this was a real opportunity. All this talk about, you know, oh, Tottenham need to be in the Champions League to keep X, Y and Z. Show it then. Go out there and perform. You know, it was such a flat, lifeless performance. It really was. And there was no tactics. There was no style. There was no pride in the shirt. And it was just a, a disappointment. We let a real opening and opportunity pass us by, as we have done multiple times this season. And that was the last opening. There is no more now. The season is over for us. I wish that was the end of the season on Saturday. I wish that was our last game. And at least I'd have something to look forward to then. I would look forward to the you know, opportunity of a new manager coming in. I would look forward to some of those players that need to go going. There are some easy ones to go. The likes of Vinicius, his loan will be up. 
the likes of Danny Rose's contract will finally up and people will say, oh, they're not contributing to the first team currently, but they're part of a negative ethos at the club. People that aren't good enough or should have gone a long time ago that are still in that building at Hotspur Way, spreading those sort of negative vibes around. We need the end of that. We need players that are passionate and care about playing for Tottenham Hotspur, being back at the club. If we're going to look forward to something exciting, I'm looking forward to Skip coming back, Session coming back, you know, young, hungry, homegrown players coming into the side. But there's bigger issues. I touched on a few weeks ago and I'll briefly touch on now. People are going to a protest on the 15th of May and they're aiming the anger at Daniel Levy or Enoch maybe, but there's other problems there. Steve Hitchin is a huge problem. You know, we cannot keep giving money. We've spent plenty of money. People say the club or, or Enoch haven't backed the board. It's simply not true. We spent huge sums of money, two windows ago, around £130 million. Pounds. But there's no point spending the money if the recruitment team are not up to scratch. And I touched upon this a couple of weeks ago. It's just throwing money down the drain. And then we struggle to offload these players window after window. We need a cleverer recruitment team that are getting those players that the likes of Leicester get, you know, the West Ham get. Look at the two uh, Czech Republic lads West Ham have got, Kufal and Suchet, walk into our team. You know, they weren't, you don't need a, an army of people buying all these signings. If you get the right signings, you just have to get one or two right and we just keep getting them wrong or players that aren't quite ready for us. So I hope this summer bigger issues are, arise than just players. We need a whole change of the recruitment team, the lawyers at the club, the sports scientists, everybody needs to change. We need a better future. And I hope that can happen, Rick. I'm just looking forward to the season ending and hopefully a brighter future. But I wish it had ended on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's the hard thing at the moment is that we're all just wishing for this season to be over. And the most bizarre thing that you said there about transfers is that we've got a guy in charge that admittedly hates the transfer window. He said that on camera to millions and millions of people watching an Amazon documentary. And it's just the most bizarre thing that, you know, to actually say that and he's in charge of the recruitment is just speaks volumes really of where we're at as a club and the struggles that we're having. And one man who all season uh, called it a crazy train, um, that train has firmly crashed, um, if I can put that as most polite way as possible. Lee, you know, you were very, very honest on the last couple of pods in terms of Spurs as a club. It can really, really get you down. It can really ruin your weekend. Um, you know, a lot of people resonated with what you were saying there. And just at the moment, every week it feels like that disconnect is getting larger, bigger. And with a point of really, I feel at the moment, no return. It's just such a hard time at the moment to be supporting this football club. For sure, a completely crash way off the rails. Um, you know, the last probably, you know, with the exception, of course, of the Champions League run in 2019, you know, that end, that end of the beginning of 2019, I think it was in February, uh, sorry, January the 21st, was it? February the 21st, can't remember, when we lost to Burnley 2-1 and uh, Potocino had a proper pop at Mike Dean for him, for him saying tank on the pitch. Other than the Champions League final, I, I don't really remember. Uh, sorry, the Champions League run. I don't really remember being happy with our league form. Right, it just take the, our, our league form. I think after that game, we didn't win an away game, did we? For was it twelve months, Chris Cowling? I think, or, or ten months or something like that, an away game in the league. You know what, though, Lee, we finished top four. If you, if, again, we nearly did a Leicester. If you remember that that year in the league. I think we were 13 points clear of fifth place and we only got in by one point. And that was because uh, Larice saved Bamiyang's penalty at Wembley um, and uh, um, Vertonghen off of the line. Because if Arsenal beat us that game, we don't finish top four. And that was on the pot. So I think, look, I suppose the point I'm trying to make is that from a league perspective, we've had... Um, We've been struggling for a while. Um, and, you know, again, the you know, the heart of our football club has gone. I don't think the heart of our football club has gone because of Jose Mourinho. I think he just maybe took it over the edge or tried to stir it up as much as possible so that things did need to change the mentality-wise. But 
We need a why. We need a purpose. We need a project. We need something. Football fans, for, you know, of of this wonderful club, you know, the board, the people in the football club. You've got to listen to us, and you've got to come and give us something. I'm not here to have a go, and I'm just passionate because because we need something to hang on to. Yes, you're talking about ruining my week, uh, people's weekend. Guess what? You ruined it again. Absolutely ruined it. And it was an early kickoff as well. So we had even longer for our, our weekend to be ruined. You know, Sky, do us a favour next time. Put us on at seven o'clock on a Sunday. Then at least we get the weekend not to be worried about it. To charge £60 for, for, for people to go back into the football stadium is an utter disgrace after no apology on the ESL as well. I mean, it's just un. It's unbelievable. Like it's literally unbelievable. You know, I question. I put a poll out. It's about three and a half thousand votes. So not a massive poll, but a decent enough um, uh, poll. Um, a third of people were only guaranteed to renew their second season tickets. A third of people were um, probably not going to do it, and a third of people. It was very very close. A third of people said that they're not sure quite yet. Uh, and which probably most of them will, like me, will probably wait to the last minute. Dot com and then and then and then renew. This is serious issues. This is this is you know Tottenham Hotspur fans that bleed Tottenham that are going. Do you know what? I'm not sure if I'm going to renew my season ticket. I'm not sure whether I want to spend two hours going through COVID London to get onto to get to the game to watch basically a load of a load of dross. I mean, you know, I've got the blue book out. I'm sorry, Rick. I got it out again. Eleven attempts. Tottenham against Lee uh, against Leeds at the weekend three on target it's absolutely woeful possession whatever 46 percent not even 400 passes what happened to this fluid front foot football because it disappeared again oh was it Mourinho was it well he ain't in charge anymore listeners he ain't in charge still still serving up this dross 74 percent passing accuracy but I mean Regular, Re- Reggie didn't fancy it, did he? A cold uh, a game, windy, rainy, cold game up north. Yeah, he, d- he didn't fancy it. It was bloody woeful. How has he gone from being so attacking, so great last week to being so rubbish this week? And that's why I gave credit to Leeds because I think, you know, they played well. Um, you know, again, their passing accuracy, 79%. They were there for the taking. They take risks and we wasn't brave enough. We didn't show enough heart because this football club, hasn't got any heart anymore. We're just drifting. People are just rocking up and going, yeah, we'll turn Tottenham over. Roy Keane, all the people that have said, all the pundits that I've I've had a go at privately, are like, oh, no, you can't say that about my football club and I want to defend the football club. They're right. We are a soft underbelly. We're soft touch. That midfield yesterday, boys and listeners, come on, are you having a laugh? And he kept the Celso on for what? Until the 80th minute. There was a clear problem in that midfield from what? First 15 minutes in the game? No tactical switch, no change. There was an issue with both fullbacks, no change, no protection, no jiggery poker on a pitch. This is what we're playing with here. You know, this, that's just the game. And like Chris said, and like and, and Johnson, you said at the top of the show, Rick, there's deeper problems here. There's a pattern, not only rinse and repeat each week with the performances, it's rinse and repeat each each time with the managers. It's rinse and repeat each time with the cup finals. Yeah, we've had we've had three cup semi-finals and three cup finals in the last six years. No one can sit there and tell me that we're not competing. Yeah. We've got three semi-finals and three cup finals. We haven't even scored a goal in them cup finals. We're not competing in the games. We're getting there, but we're not competing in the games. If we'd have competed, if we'd have scored goals, if we'd have won them, it's obviously a big if, we could have had a bigger, much bigger trophy haul, of course. 
You know, so people batter us over the heads. We won't want a trophy. We won't want a trophy. Yeah, we're, we're, we're battling against ourselves. We're our, we're our own worst enemies. Tottenham Hotspur, there's something over the club. On the anniversary, which you said, Rick, on the anniversary of the Ajax hat-trick, the best footballing memory that I will have until we go on and move more. I mean, it's, I was there. It was absolutely uncontrollable crying, emotion, just passion, just so proud that we can do that. And Lucas comes on with his second touch, gets booked, and then he had another touch, gave a foul away. He didn't do anything. The whole game against Leeds United. I mean, is he still dining out on that on them two years ago? And well, I might, might be is, being harsh, but no, this is look, a problem, this, Rick. This is the problem. I mean, problem. You know, if anyone's wondering, you're tuning in. Obviously, this is a Leeds review. We will be coming on to Leeds in a little bit. But I mean, what's clear, obviously, if you listen to the first 20 minutes of this podcast, is that there are problems that run deeper than just the Premier League results. And Chris, coming around to you. Again, can, I, can I just say, Rick? Can I yes, just say, mm. I, I was going to ask Lee the, the question of mm. when was the last time we actually won a must win game? And it was probably the Ajax game. It yeah. was probably then. It yeah. was probably two years ago. Yeah. And let's be um, honest. And let's be honest about it, right? Let's be honest about it. We were there. Let's be honest about it. We probably, you know, it was a ding-dong game. So we really might like not have deserved to no, win that game. No. Do you know what I mean? You can yeah. say we might have fluked it or whatever, but it went our way. It was amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, a last time we won a must-win game. And we were still messing it up that year. Again, I remember, remind everybody, don't, let's not sugarcoat this. We would go 1-0 down without foul in the first 10, 15 minutes of literally every single game. We went 1-0 down against Barcelona. We conceded against Man City. Two, we conceded two against Man City in the first 15 minutes in the second leg of the quarterfinal. We went 1-0 down against Ajax in the semi-final at the New Lane. We went 2-0 yeah. down at Ajax. I mean, it was a nightmare. Yeah, we I mean, were still having problems. That result, as we know, there was, the, again, even at that time, it was papering over a lot of cracks within the club. You know, like John was saying, the recruitment, but, you know, the, the lack of real expertise in terms of identifying real top targets and going out and spending that money... But Chris, I mean, I just want to bring it back to the point that this show, we're going to try and rather than have to sit here and dissect Leeds for an hour, I just want to just understand where we all feel this club is going. Well, at the moment, we know it's going nowhere. But what do you want to see happen, Chris? Because where I am at the moment is that we need a new manager, as we all know. We're going to need to have a new manager. Listen, Ryan Mason, for me, he was always interim. I, I'll be honest, with you, even at the point where, and I haven't been on this show a lot this season, I couldn't quite understand the appointment of Mason, if I'm being brutally honest with you, because... You know, if you're going to sack Jose Mourinho six or seven days before a cup final, you have to have a plan. If you sack one of the most popular managers in the world, regardless of what you think of him in terms of the style of football, um, our results this season, the toxicity maybe amongst the players with the appointment and how that's gone, you still have to have a plan. And what's clear is Spurs have had absolutely no plan whatsoever. They've disregarded Mourinho. Mason is in. And... I've got to be honest with you. I think the players are as disillusioned as what we are as supporters. And I think that is also what you're seeing on the pitch now in terms of the lack of performances, which is now transcending into this real, real, I would say, massive hole that we are finding ourselves in where many people despise the football club. Um, and in that, it's the board, it's the players, it's even, dare I say, some supporters as well. So, Chris, I'm looking from the outside thinking... How are we going to attract a top-class manager that's going to put their reputation on the line to come and manage this football club with this group of players under this ownership? Tell me how we're going to do that, because I can't really see how we're going to do that. That's a very good question, Rick. I, I tell you what, you know me very well. You know that I'm, uh, you know, most of the time extremely positive about this football club. And, you know, I, I try and find positive things to say. 
even someone like me is really, really struggling right now because I just, you know, I said this a few weeks ago when, when I was last on. Um, I think that the problems at the moment are certainly with the players. You know, when, when I look at some of the games, a lot of times this season, so many times I've been sat at home watching these games on TV, uh, obviously not being able to go into the stadium and just seeing the lack of desire, the lack of fight, the lack of energy, the hunger. And, you know, like I just said, you know, when was the last time we won a must-win game? You know, how many opportunities do we want? You know, we found ourselves fifth in the Premier League, um, you know, four games to go. You know, take the opportunity, grab the opportunity. You know, Harry Kane, you know, comes out and says that, you know, he wants to be a part of the team winning big prizes. Well, you know, the, the team need to perform. You know, Gareth Bale, uh, for instance, you know, when was the last time that he actually performed in a big game? You know, he scores a hat-trick against Sheffield United. You know, I know a lot of people probably won't like me saying this, but, you know, when was the last time he actually performed in a big game when we need him? Dynamo Zager ever away, Arsenal away, Leeds United away. Where are you? You know, we need you in these big games. We need a lot of these players. You know, I'm not just digging out Gareth Bale. There's a lot of players where they need to perform. So there is a major, major clear out that is needed in the summer. I know John said about, um, you know, lots of, there's lots of recruiting to do in the summer. That is no way going to happen in, in one window, in one summer. There, the, the, the problem is far bigger than, than one summer. You know, it's going to take years to, uh, you know, get a whole new um, whole new team in, even if it is backroom staff. And then, of Chris, course, you've what, got the what worries me, just quick, Chris, just quickly on that, before we go into magic, that, what, what worries me is that, that the whole Steve Hitchens situation, he's the one at the moment that's going out scouting and, and helping yeah. with the new manager. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's a problem. That is yeah. a problem. Well, I was going to come on to that, the manager. Sorry, bud. Uh, I remember one of the last times I was on Last Word on Spurs, I actually said that I think that we would have uh, an announcement. You know, Ryan Mason was take, you know, put in charge as interim boss. I thought that there would be an announcement. Uh, you know, a day or two later. I can't believe, I in all honesty, you know, yes. I, I, yeah. I've got nothing against Ryan Mason at all. Lovely guy. He's doing the best job he possibly can at the club right now. Um, but to put him in charge and put him under that pressure, you know, to, to fi- get us to finish in a European spot, I'm worried again because this football club needs European football. But then, you know, without contradicting myself, with this current squad, you put us into a European competition, Champions League, Europa League. You've already seen what's happened in the Europa League with this squad. We need investment. You know, I'm sorry to keep going back to Maurizio Pochettino. Everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Poch. Rick, I know, um, you know, at the time of, of, of him being sacked, I never, ever called for Maurizio Pochettino sacking. I would love him to be at the club right now. I feel that if you'd have backed him fully when we needed to, then, you know, we would have we'd be sitting here now happy with trophies. I've no doubt with that whatsoever. Because as you've said, we felt very, very connected. I don't Mm. think any of us Tottenham fans have ever felt connected to a manager like we did him. Um, And then you bring in Jose Mourinho. Okay, the board made this very, very strong decision. And you bring in a trophy winner. You bring in the serial winner. I actually feel sorry for Jose Mourinho. You know, there's a a big part of me that feels sorry for him. I was never a Jose out person. I've never, ever said, as a Spurs fan, I've never, ever called any manager to get sacked. But Jose Mourinho, I thought, if we sack Jose Mourinho, where do we go from here? And this is exactly where I feel now. Where do we go from here? You know, like you said, what manager is going to want to come in, you know, in this whole mess? It is a mess. That is, there's no better word for it. It is an absolute mess. But sacking a serial winner six days before a cup final... I just think it's absolutely madness. And then, of course, we come onto the board. Um, you know, like John said, the protests are next weekend. Um, you know, 
the, the whole debacle about the European Super League, no apology. And then 10,000 fans will be back in 10 days' time at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What did Tottenham do? Another PR disaster from the club. You know, very, very disappointed in my club yet again. They charge £60. Arsenal, Chelsea, they're charging around £25. And lead by example, Club Burnley, free of charge. They're giving all of their fans the tickets free of charge, just a donation to the NHS. Leading by example, Burnley Football Club. You know, Tottenham Hotspur should be leading by example. You know, I want to see this coming week, I want to see an email go out to all season ticket holders and say, if you've been successful in the ballot, you know, I, I, I don't know whether how many season ticket holders will actually apply, you know, based on Twitter. I don't based, think based on these results be. either. Um, but I want to see Tottenham, you know, mm. put out a, an apology saying, we've got it seriously wrong with the Super League. We are very sorry. Here's your ticket free of charge. Because right now, the football club and everybody in it, it's all crumbling at the moment. And, and there needs to be some togetherness because why would a new manager want to come in mm. when it is this mess like this? You know, it's a mess, Rick. It really, yeah. really is. And when we're being linked, you know, no disrespect to these people, but when we're being linked to Graham Potter and Scott Parker, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. You know, we are the eighth richest club in, 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 in Europe or the world. Yeah. Act like it. And I've got, to, I've got to say, Chris, I know many people might turn around, I don't think you're arrogant saying that. I don't think you're wrong saying that because I look at it and think, John, just want to bring you in here, John. We've got players of the calibre of Hummin Son, Harry Kane, Hugo Lloris, Toby Edevireld. Yes, some of these players are getting older. Yes, some are over the hill. But I do worry and think to myself, you know, if we don't get this next right appointment, even though we know, like you've said, John, there needs to be a mass clear out of players. There needs to be some actual top, top class players that come in. I really, really fear how long it's going to take Tottenham to actually get back to a level where we are just competing, not winning, just competing. And that is my biggest worry at the moment, that I look at us and think this season, how we've managed to even still be in a position where we could still get top four is just beyond me because, you know, the last... 10 to 15 games Spurs just haven't been there you know there's just no connection at all and I think that's the word that word connection is just what's ringing every time I watch Tottenham that it's just the lack of it I mean where do we go from here John in terms of a manager are you fearful in terms of looking at this squad who actually wants to come in and put I said to Chris their reputation on the line who wants to do that at the moment no I, I disagree with that Rick I think it's an exciting challenge for somebody. You know, Tottenham haven't won anything for a long time. If you come in and you're that man that does win something with this squad, that is the squad with Harry Kane, who's the league's top goal scorer, that is the squad with Hummin Son, who's the third top goal scorer in the league. You know, it's in London, you'll get good money, it's a big club ball, still. John, sorry to ask you, but under this ball, do you still feel, you use the word exciting there. Yeah. You feel exciting under this board where it's clear you don't always get your top targets. You've got a man that's looking after the transfers that doesn't actually like doing that job. Do you think it's still that enticing? Look, don't get me wrong. You need someone with balls to come in and say, look, I'm not working with Steve Hitchin. I've got my guy already. You know, my ideal manager would be Brendan Rodgers. I've made that multiple times. He, he, if Tottenham could attract him, he'd need to say straight away, I'm not doing this with Hitchin around and your coaching staff. I'm taking the guys from Leicester with me or the guys from Celtic with me, whoever it may be that he skills closely with. He's got to have his own people with him and not be middle managed by someone else making the decisions. That's got to be straight. Levy's got to step back. He's got to realise that he's fantastic at delivering things like the stadium, the, the training ground, but he can't keep meddling with transfers and football-related decisions. He cannot. Time has proved that isn't his forte. His skills, and he's very, very good at bringing the club up to a level financially and that sort of thing, 
he's got to back off from the football stuff. And the manager's got to have enough balls to not be a yes man. He's got to come in and say, this is what I'm doing. Like it or lump it, or I'm not doing it. It's up to you. If you want me, if I'm Brendan Rodgers, you want me, I'll come from Leicester, I'll do it. But these are my terms. And he's got to be brave enough. If we can't carry on as we are with, with you know, hitching and, and people muddling with decisions left, right and centre, we need a clear football manager who gets what he wants. You know, and as, as, um, as Chris said, and I've said before, it's time to act like the club we are. We are the eighth richest club in world football. Go out, get Brendan Rodgers. As I said, Leicester finished top of the league. They won the title. Chelsea finished 10th. They went and got N'Golo Kante, you know, because they're serious. They're a big club this season. Like Lampard went before me and they got him out. They got Tuchel in. Look at that. What a masterstroke that's proved to be. They're in the Champions League final now, the FA Cup final. They'll finish fourth now. Um, so sometimes we just got to act big, you know, and stop acting like little old Tottenham penny pinching all the time. It's not acceptable and not good enough. And, you know, sometimes I think a couple of right signings could do a lot for this club. Go out and get Joachim Anderson for 25 million. That's your defence improved. No end. Get a capable right back. I'd probably take a gamble on Max Aarons off the top of my head. You know, and then he's linking up with Oliver Skip in that defensive midfield role. They've played together this season. They'll have a good understanding. Two England under-21 internationals. That every single time they step on the pitch for Tottenham Hotspur, their value increases. You know, uh, some easy decisions, I think, that can be made on transfers. It doesn't need to be so stressful, so difficult, you know. Get the likes of Lamella out eight seasons in, still not performing. Move on to Celso. He's a complete passenger. We've seen it game and game and game again. And I'm so sick of it. You know, there's some easy players to move on. Sanchez is now being frozen out. Probably the correct decision for me. But a point um, Chris touched on that I want to mention as well earlier. Um, it's really boring hearing the players come out and say, oh, we care. and We're being criticised unfairly. And then dropping absolute stinkers. You know, Dyer was woeful against Leeds after spending the week in the media talking about how it's unfair. And the elephant in the room and, and something that people are afraid to talk about is Harry Kane. You know, it's easy to say, and I, my favourite ever Tottenham player, before I go any further, favourite ever Tottenham player in my life. But it's easy to say, I want to be at a club winning trophies. I want to be at this. We've not scored our last four finals. He was the striker in three of them. You know, so sometimes you've got to take some responsibility yourself, make things happen yourself. You can't keep shifting the blame on someone else and someone else. You know, it's very frustrating, but I do feel like with the right recruitment this summer, there is a basis there. You listed those players. I'd add a few more to that. Skip coming back, Cessignon coming back. I still think Tanganga's a great player. So... Roden, you know, I thought Roden looked good in the games he played. He might need the right confidence manager that gets an arm around and says, look, I'm going to build this around you at the back. Let's see what we can do with him. Mm. Um, yep. I, I feel like with the right manager, things still can happen for this club. We are still a massive club. We are still the sixth most successful side in English football history. Not that people off football Twitter will let you know that. But that's the fact. We have won three European trophies. We are a serious club. We've got 10 million followers on Instagram. I know numbers aren't everything, but that shows you the size of the club. You know, that's more than Leicester, West Ham, Newcastle, Villa have got put together. So let's just be realistic. We are a huge club. Start acting like it. Get the right manager. Get your number one target. Make Brendan Rodgers happen. Get the right lawyers involved. Get the right negotiators involved that can make that deal happen. Anything in life is possible if you get the right people behind it. So, yeah, I'm frustrated now, but I feel like things can happen. Yeah, listen, I admire optimism. I just wonder, Lee, coming over to you to kind of close this subject, that it isn't like Brendan Rodgers. Looking in from the outside, would he want to manage Tottenham? under this current ownership. You know, you don't get your number one targets, it seems admittedly. Players are bought in that sometimes you don't want, hence Gareth Bale, like we've seen. Again, I wonder, why would you leave a club that at the moment seem to be closer to competing than what Spurs are? And I'll just, again, I just, I scratch my head. Listen, I'm a Spurs fan and we are, like Chris says, we're eighth richest club in the world. And we have got a world-class training ground. We have got a great stadium. But if you don't have the tools on the pitch to be successful, why would you give all that up? I just don't understand why you would want to do that. And I want Brendan Rodgers, don't get me wrong, but I just question yeah. all that, Lee. 
Well, I think I think uh, under under this current regime, I think history's on Brendan Rodgers' side to, to to come into this football club and be successful. Um, because it, before I answer that question, just put it out to you and the listeners as well. Uh, in the last twenty years, off the top of your head, who's the top three managers that you would say are the most successful that we've had? Who, who would you who would you say is Pochettino, Redknapp? Yeah, and who? Who else? Yo, be the third Mark, and, and Martin, Martin Yo, but, right? it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty guaranteed, yeah, right? It's yeah. going to be them three if you put a poll out. Mm. Now, what's really interesting is Martin Yo, Yo, is hundred. No, yeah. they didn't win trophies. No, no, no trophies. trophies. <laughs> yeah, no, no trophies, right? Which is really interesting. But Martin Yol managed 148 games, yeah, with us just over, uh, just under three years. Uh, Redknapp managed 228 games, and Maurizio Pochino and his staff managed 290 games. So there's a little bit of a um, uh, a pattern there. Is the, the the successful manager, the play, uh, the managers that have done the best for the club, the you know built them building blocks, if you like, have, have had longest time to do it, right? Look at the look at the manager that come in. Sherwood, forty games, uh, woeful. AVB, eighty-one games, woeful. Uh, Sergio Ramos, fifty. Uh, Sergio Ramos, what are we talking about? Sorry, who uh, can have a laugh at that? Juan de Ramos, fifty-five games, woeful. Even though he did, even though he was the one that won the trophy. Um, th- th- this is this is a rinse and repeat. Jose Mourinho, eighty-six games. Right, so he's one of them them, them managers that have had really uh, small amount of games. Ryan Mason is like your Tim Sherwood. I mean, this is literally rinse and repeat. Where the Portuguese guy that was uh, that was in the uh, was in the seat, he managed eighty one games. He couldn't do the business, even though he got a, a record points total for Tottenham in Premier League at, the, at that moment in time. But yeah, Gareth Bale, prime Gareth Bale, uh, Gareth Bale one point um, got sacked. Sherwood comes in for 40 games, which is basically a caretaker situation. Exactly the same as Ryan Mason. This is the same thing. The board's done the same thing. Uh, do, you want, do you want the job, Tim? What do you think? You know, you've managed our youth from that. You've been a youth coach. Do you want, do you want the job? Here he goes. So he gets the job. 40 games. See you later. They took their time and they hired Maurizio Potticino. Now, hindsight's a wonderful thing because at the time, people were like, well, should he be the right manager or whatever? But 290 games, without a shadow of a doubt, transformed our football club, competing at the highest level for the biggest trophies, but yet again, still didn't win a trophy. So therefore, you know, we get rid of him. We bring in Jose Mourinho. And guess what? The same story's just happened again. Portuguese manager, won loads of stuff. 86 games. He gets fired. Interim manager comes in. Ryan Mason, used to coach the youth team. I mean, it's literally, you couldn't make this stuff up. So history's on the side. The next manager that comes in, if it's a Brendan Rodgers, might might mean there's success around the corner. If you go even further back, that over 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years of Tottenham manager histories, the best managers that we had through the 90s, and they were tough times for that for those listeners who remember the 90s, they were they were tough times. I remember this very, very I was I was only young, but I remember this really, really well. Jerry Francis. Now, people might laugh and remember Jerry Francis' mullet and good guy. He managed a football club for three years. And, he, and I remember celebrating, and he's celebrating this, we are top London club. He got us to be the top London club um, d- during his period of time in, in, in Tottenham Hotspur. You know, that, that's, again, so maybe that puts it into context as well. We're, we're fighting Champions League finals, but back then we were the, just a top London club. Terry Venables obviously won the FA Cup. Last manager to do so, as Chris will uh, will will tell you, three and a half years at the football club. Go back even further. Keith Birkinshaw, eight years at the football club. The great Bill Nick, sixteen years. These are managers that have had success in the football club, sustained success because they've been there for a longer period of time. You can't keep in 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 Tottenham's fabric, keep chopping and changing. That works for Chelsea. 
Chelsea are ruthless. They change their manager. They get, they, they've got a structure that, that supports that. Tottenham haven't got that structure that supports that. We haven't got that why. We haven't got that purpose. We need to have that wrapped around. I'll bring you to another point as well. We were heavily, heavily linked with Scrinoir in the summer. Heavily linked. I'm not the transfer man. I'll leave that to you boys. Uh, Jamie from the Daily Osper. Rick, you get me. You know you're wicked on the transfers. But you you lot are telling me, everyone's telling me, Scrinoir, Scrinoir, Scrinoir. He would not, he he and the board would not pay an extra 14 million or 15 million or whatever it was reported to be. And I'm sure it's more complicated than me. And if, if I had a con- if Daniel, uh, Daniel Levy had a conversation with me, I'm sure I'm getting all my facts wrong. But this is how it's reported. And this is what we know in the media. We wouldn't pay 14, 15 million quid. Three years ago, or three and a half, two and a half years ago, Liverpool Football Club went out and bought Virgil van Dijk absolutely transformed their back four, who, which, by the way, was utterly woeful. We ripped them a new one at Wembley when we smashed them 4-1 and uh, and we were just run right that day. And that was their catalyst, their sliding doors moment. They went out in that transfer window in the January and they bought Van Dyke, transformed and they won everything. Absolutely everything. We, we, you know, fair play to them. We were also heavily linked in the summer and a hair's breath away from signing Ruben Diaz, Right? This was the rumours, Ruben Diaz. And the reason why it was so heavily linked is because Portuguese, he's uh, the same as um, Jose Mourinho, they've got the same agents, this, that and the other, and potentially we were linked with him. But we couldn't or wanted to get the money, blah, blah, blah. He goes to Man City. He's just done a Van Dyke. That guy has been absolutely outstanding for Manchester City this year. And, and what we needed more than anything else was a centre-back. But we didn't get one. We've got Joe Roden, fair enough, one for the future. One for the future. One for the future. That's all I keep hearing. We haven't got a bloody future. This is the, the I'm sick to death of hearing one for the future. We and want what trophies we to... now, Lee. It's not about the future. It's about now. And what, it's, what always, is... it, it's always about that. We just what, want a football club now. Well, well, we, just, is... we, we just want a football club. I, just... I was going to say, what, I mean... what it is about, it's about a balance between yeah. one or two for the future and mm. one or two for the now. Yeah. And if you think about it, we've got a couple up front of the one or two for now as John just said world class Harry Kane world class uh, Hummin Son I still think Bale's got you know class I think he's absolute mm. class and he had a shocking game and this Saint is wrong with not being able to put uh, performances together but we've got some I mean Hugo Lloris people say get him out of the club you're having a laugh it would have been 6-0 at the weekend if it weren't for Lloris yeah. You know, just coming back to the game I thought it was outstanding so you know you look at that and we've got some fantastic talent in the squad but the key areas, we keep doing it. Managers, I've just given you the statistics. Eight of your games, sack him. Get in an interim, sack him. Bring somebody else in. Oh, yeah, we don't win a trophy. Oh, let's go again. It is rinse and freaking repeat every time. And this is what's got to change. They've got to change it from the top. Something's got to change. Daniel Levy is absolute quality in terms of exactly what John said, infrastructure, the where, where the club is. And I do genuinely think he has got the best interests of the football club at heart in, this, in a sense of custodian, whatever. But, but the football inside and the way he treating the, the fans' perspective is, is an outrage. And that's he, why you question that point He's there. got 30% yeah. of the club. He's got 30% of the company. He's got 30% of the business, 30% of the company. Fine just go as a non-exec director or go as a Ned and get somebody else to come in and run the footballing side and make the footballing decisions yeah. around the managers, around the, um, around the plan staff, around the coaches, around the recruitment. It has to be different. 
I'm I'm sorry, but it has to be different. Something needs to change. And again, just on the the managers that I've just talked about, and I've gone into um, Lord Sugar's era, um, and obviously um, um, and before that as well. But when you're coming back to a Nynx era, you could almost say we fluked y'all because Santini was in before him. We fluked him. You could almost say that we we fluked some of these top managers. Now, Redknapp was an obvious choice, but we, he didn't want to do it because he was a director of football. And he was the one, if you remember at the time, that said, I'm only going to do the job if I'm the manager. I'll get rid of the director of football, make that happen. And, and, and they did. And we had a fantastic time. What I would say about, about, the, about the transfers, and you've got to balance some of this out, what I would say about the transfers is, when you have a team with um, Modric, with um, Carl Walker, with Berbatov, Keane, Defoe, Kane, Bale, I mean, this is uh, Dembele, this is Son, Lloris. We've had some outrageous talent playing in the modern era. For and we haven't won anything. But we've none, won nothing. Danny no. Rose. I mean, you know, this was the best left back in Europe, Danny Rose. We had the best right back in Europe in, in Carl Walker. We had the Belgian pair at the centre of defence. We still didn't win anything. We had a World Cup winning goalkeeper in, a, in, in between the sticks. Still didn't win anything. We had Modric playing. We had um, Dembele in there. We had, you know, a prime, uh, prime Wanyama. You know, these were, these were brilliant players at their peak. Kane, Son, we've won nothing. No. What is happening? What is well, happening? I tell you what, it's, it's been difficult. We have got to go for a very quick break because we are approaching our break time. When we come back, we're going to be talking more about where Spurs are going and we're going to bring into context the Leeds game. We're not going to bore you to death with the whole picture of the game. We're just going to talk through some of the key incidents and again, just where Spurs are heading. We have got Wolves also to come next weekend. Um, at the moment, that feels, I mean, it, hopefully it's as far away as possible because I talk about another game for Spurs is just so hard to bear. So please stick with us. Thanks as always for all your support. We'll be back after this very, very short break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train, and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Hello, and welcome back to the second half of The Last Word on Spurs. Hopefully you're still here. Hopefully you haven't left us. I appreciate, like I say, tough at the moment and we tried our best on this show to kind of change things up a little bit rather than discussing leads for an hour and a half we thought we'd just try and understand quite where we're going I think even on the space of that first half hour really all of us just feel so disillusioned by the club the board just what is going on with Spurs where are we going what is our why as Lee McQueen says and kind of what our plans are for the future there's just so much that needs to happen will it happen is another question but Chris coming around here to touch on the game against Leeds that defeat really kind of all but ended Spurs. It's very, very slim top four hopes. And, you know, Leeds, we've bad and joked about them this season, but massive credit to them. A mixture of familiar defensive problems for Spurs, poor player performances, and overall Mason, I think, is inexperienced, costing Spurs. We look like a team in transition against a very well-coached team. And, yeah, I mean, what, Chris, overall, rather than going into the whole depth of the game, what was your thoughts on the performance overall from Spurs? Do you know what? It was a it was a fantastic game for the neutral fan. 
um, almost put us into a heart attack as Tottenham fans watching it because I just saw that you know Leeds were going forward so much. Uh, they could have scored so many goals. And as Lee rightly said, Hugo Lloris, man of the match, you know, it could have been a, a whole lot more. Um, it was frustrating. And, and a, a lot of, a lot of uh, performances by players that are way, way under par. You know, before the game, Ryan Mason came out and said, this is a big game for us. Harry Kane came out and said, we have to win all four games to have a chance of the Champions League. You know, we're currently sat in seventh place. We've got Everton right behind us now. If we stay seventh, we're going to qualify for the Europa Conference League, which I'll tell you what, we're going to be a laughing stock, you know, amongst all of the Premier League fans. We really will. And, and we're so used to that. But I'll go back to, to this season. You know, this was another very disappointing and frustrating performance. And I felt very angry uh, at this performance because where you've got to take a chance, we've been given this chance at the business end of the season with four Premier League games to go to grab the opportunity. And when you can't grab an opportunity now, you know, I know Lee uses that, um, that term a lot, world-class players. Where were the world-class performances where have been the world-class performances during this season? When I go back and look at some of the team. games... Because we're not a team. It's, it's, exactly. I put, it's try, but we're not a team. We've got right. individuals, but we are not a team. There's no cohesion. There's no understanding. There's no why. That you know. There's no purpose. We're not together as a unit. That's my... It, you know, they it, don't play Xbox with each other anymore. You're absolutely right, Lee. You, it is probably a perfect summary of saying that every single player are playing as individuals and not as a team. You know, when, when you look back... At the very end of the game, Eric Lamella, that Rabona. I tell you, that got me. That 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 was the what final straw. What is he I, I, doing, Chris? Unbelievable. What is he doing? Unbelievable. But when you look back this season, you know um, the West Ham game. Obviously, we drew three three, and then the real low points: losing to Liverpool, losing to Leicester. Then uh, you know, I'm talking about low points. I'm talking about blocks of like weeks or two. Everton defeat in the FA Cup, then losing to Manchester City, and the, and, and the way that we lo- lost these games. The Arsenal game, the, the, the Zagreb game going out of the Europa League, of course, losing the cup final. And then, you know, there's just so many ups and downs. You, you win against a, a mediocre team or a team that you're expected to win against. That's why I didn't get excited last week. Normally, I'm raving about Tottenham winning 4-0 in the Premier League. How can you rave about beating a relegated yeah, team yeah. in Sheffield United? Yeah, exactly. You can't. You cannot get carried away because no. when, when, we, when we face a decent side and Leeds are fantastic, fantastic going forward. I've really um, been very impressed with them, really enjoyed watching them, th- them this season because going forward, that's, they, they look absolutely superb. And but again, Chris, player for player, we should still be beating Leeds United with all due respect. You call it in the Tottenham squad. I, I, I totally but, agree with you. But, I mean, but Rick, I've said this before. I think a lot of us, including us four, probably think that Tottenham, these Tottenham players are mm. better than they actually are. Yes. And we are a better club than we actually are. And I think mm. that we all need to stop being so arrogant and saying, oh, Brendan Rodgers, let's go and get him. Yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who are we to say, let's go and get a manager that is about to be in a cup final, an yeah. FA Cup final, mm. you know, good chance of winning that game, and about to qualify for the Champions League. And we're going to be probably in the Europa Conference League and we're going, go and get him, go and get him, go and get him. Who are we to say that? I agree. I agree. I mean, John, I want to come round to you because, you know, the, the team selection at the moment, it's one of those things where I saw a lot of Spurs fans were absolutely delighted by the fact, you know, for a second game in a row, we were unchanged. But, you know, there's been several winners and losers of Mason's reign so far. Now, I mean, we did say or see Son, Kane, Bale and Delhi for the first time 
this season consecutively, those guys playing together. And it was clear Mason's aim from the moment he was brought in was to try and, you know, find a way of some continuity amongst the squad. But now you're kind of seeing there's no places in the team for the likes of Roden, Tanganga, no Carlos Vinicius, while Tsunyan Dembele continues to find himself on the fringes. Many will say that's justified by the way he came on and produced that cameo, um, which I think many will kind of say the word cameo. I might be quite lucky calling it a cameo display. But um, he clearly felt he would try and go for players that he could trust in the final running. But unfortunately, his trust, I think, has proved to be misplaced. And the players that he has chose have clearly, clearly struggled. Um, I just wonder, you know, this job for Mason, it was always going to be hard. You know, I feel he's been kind of thrown in to a job that really he didn't even know he was going to get, but he's been asked to do it. What have you made, John, of the decisions he's taken so far during this very small reign of him managing the club? Yeah, look, it's easy to make knee-jerk reactions after certain results. Uh, it's easy to say we shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. Look, I've said multiple times while we had Mourinho, the issue we had was the back four bingo. So I'm actually delighted that whichever four he's chosen, he's stuck with it. You know, he, he said to those four, you're going to be my defenders for these final four or five games. That's it. And I like that. I've got no issue with that. So because it turned out badly afterwards, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he should have had this player playing or that player because it was what I wanted. I wanted a continuity. I think all successful sides are built from continuity. And from the players we had, he chose to said four. I'm happy he's stuck with that. So no issues from me uh, on that front. The issues I do have, though, uh, are some of the other I find some of the subs quite peculiar. And the sort of lateness, you know, the fact that Lacelso was allowed to carry on on the field till 80 minutes had passed. When he'd been poor against Man City, I thought he was poor again against Leeds, but he seems to be in with Mason's favourites and he's selected continuously. Um, whereas I would have had Ndombele playing. But, you know, Ndombele has been poor for a while now as well. Let's not sit on the fence with this. Hoybier has been woeful for about six or seven games. Now, I don't completely blame him because he's played the most minutes of any player in the Premier League this season. He's obviously been vastly overused because we didn't have a backup there or someone trusted to come in to replace him. I'm hopeful that next season with Oliver Skip coming in, the two of them can play in tandem and we have two proper defensive-minded midfielders. Um, but there will certainly need to be another midfielder added in the summer because what we've got currently in front of them, they're just not up to it. You know, or they're not delivering at the moment. The likes of Celso, Soko, Winks. I expect some of those guys will be moved on this summer. We do need another midfielder in there to play with one of those two defensive-minded players or if we're going to play both of them and then an attacking midfielder. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think look, some of the things Mason has done, it's easy to question after the event, but actually, you look at the games, OK, so we beat Southampton, we smashed Sheffield United, Man City, yes, we were poor in the cup final, but you can also look at that the other way. All right, we lost to Man City by one goal, a set piece, having held on for 82 minutes. So it's easy to say afterwards, oh, we didn't show up, blah, blah. Man City then three days later went and smashed PSG away. You know, so did we do that badly? I don't know. And it's also easy to say that, oh, should we have sacked Mourinho? Well, yes, we should have done, to be honest with you, because the players weren't responding to him. And by putting almost anybody else in charge, we gave ourselves a better opportunity in that cup final than sticking with Mourinho, who was poisonous around the club and players weren't responding to him. So, you know, I think Mason's done OK. I actually wanted nothing more than for Mason to go on and do very well in these games and then land the job permanently, having secured us in the top four. That hasn't happened now. And I expect Mason will be kept on in the club because he is highly regarded. The players respect him. The club respect him. I imagine he'll go back down to his work as the uh, player development manager from the age groups, age 18 to 23. Um, and he'll carry on at the club this summer because I don't want him to be moved on. He is a proper Tottenham man. When others would have shrieked away from it, he put his hand up and said, yeah, I'll do it. No one put a gun to his head and said, oh, you must do this. He said, I'll do it. So I back, you know, I back him for that. And he's done his best in difficult circumstances in a really shit season for us. 
And, you know, all right, we didn't, we were poor on Saturday, but let's not have knee jerk reactions that he should have done this or should have done that. Mm. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, listen, I don't think the players are going out there and I say they're not playing for him. I just think, as I said before, I don't think the players are so disillusioned by what is going on at the football club right now. I think they are as, I wouldn't say they're not as, as what we are as fans in terms of we are feeling obviously the, the sadness, you know, the, the way in which the club is performing is ultimately such a, it does get you down. How can it not get you down as a fan to see the way we're playing? Uh, Lee, you know, I then come to the first goal, Lee's scoring, Regulon, to be fair, almost scores an own goal, only for Larissa's flying save to keep it out. But the Spaniard isn't watching Dallas, who smashes home the loose ball. I mean, it's just an utter mess from the left back. And you know, Regulon, I'll be honest, I, I'll... I had such high hopes when he first came to Spurs. I thought he was playing so, so well. And again, I just don't quite know what's happened to Sir, uh, Sergio Reguilon over the last kind of three to four months. I feel almost like, again, he's kind of caught that Tottenhamitis where it's kind of gone through the side, as we've seen. And just players that, in parts of the season, that were playing so, so well, just, yeah, at the moment, it just isn't quite happening. Maybe it will under a different, you know, transformative coach that will breed new energy, new life into these players. But I keep on saying this. I fail to believe that these players, some of them, are as bad as what I'm seeing. And Regulon, for me, falls in that category. But again, so, so poorly for that opening goal. Yeah, he was. I think he had a really bad game. But like John, I totally agree. You know, I, I was applauding the fact that we set, we kept the same back four and goalkeeper, so back five. Um, for for four games on the trot, it's the fourth time that that back four started the same uh, um, the same back four. Sorry, uh, fourth time on a trot, and I like that because I like that consistency piece. But he was woeful. Um, he didn't know whether to go forward. He didn't know whether to come back. He didn't know when to pick his man up. Um, you know, yes, it, it, the, the ball in from the left-hand side against our other fullback uh, was a quality ball in. It caused all sorts of problems, but it was just it was just a mess for that for that first goal, and it, and it should never have got to that point. Do, do you understand what I mean? Like, he should have never have had a situation at that back post because it should have been cut off at the, at the before the cross even came in. You know, and there, that's where the problems lie. You go you go around that pitch, you see Aurier, and then obviously above, uh, in front of Aurier, you've got Gareth Bale. So Gareth Bale, if, if, if or if he isn't tracking back enough, and therefore Aurier's left on and left on Aurier, so he doesn't press his man so much, and then the cross comes in, and that's where the, that's where the, the situation goes. There's, there's no... There's no. Well, it's easy to say leadership, but there's no kind of. Per, there's no people in the in the back line. It's not about shouting or anything. It's just about it's being commanding. It's being. Do you know what? Uh, give me the ball. There's no one in midfield in the Tottenham side at the moment going. Give me the ball. I'll make something happen. And then it's messing around. Like you see the centre backs. They look up and they go. Oh, there's nothing on here. Like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? And then we get turned and we, ha we have to go backwards. And that was happening again uh, against Leeds United. And we should have been going forward. We should have been further up the pitch. Um, and, you know, at times, we were really far up the pitch. You know, the front four, you, know, you can see the, the bravery, if you like, that we were going with, with playing that front four. And we were, but there was a disconnect between the front four and then the midfield. So, so, so actually, when the center, when the midfield were playing so close to the centre backs, you, you watch the game back and you see how close sometimes that midfield is um, to, to the centre backs. And when they turn to look up, if they've given the ball, who are you giving the ball to in that situation? So give it to Hoiber. He's looking up. Where, is he? Is he a ball player? Is he a passer? Is he going to do what? Is he going to make something happen? Okay, fine. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. We'll give it to Lacelso then. Well, he definitely ain't. He runs the ball out of play when he had an opportunity. I mean, it's utterly woeful. And then there's your midfield. 
So that's gone. So there's no there's no way of passing through that midfield. And 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 that's for, that's why we had that an issue. And it was very early on. What was essentially then happening is that the disconnect was happening up front. There was no we didn't really Look, we, we scored a really good goal. And in my opinion, we scored a really good second goal. Obviously, VAR being, you know, the toenail situation again with Kane. It was a fantastic finish, um, which which obviously didn't count. But so we did give them a couple of problems. But we didn't really give them loads of problems. Them defenders weren't going to keep walking off that pitch today going, my word, Bowers had me the other way today. I've had Kane running me the other way and battering my centre-backs. I've had Son running me the other way. You know, look at where their attacking full-backs were. You know, they 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 were an attack, which is they were pushing us backwards, and that's tactically. Look, I'm not a tactical genius at all, but I, I you know, and I'm watching it on the TV, and what do I know? But that for me was obvious that something needed to change, Rick, and we didn't change that around. So, look, regular uh, regular had a bad game. I said at the beginning of the show, don't you don't don't fancy a, a cold, windy, wet day up in in uh, up in the north of England uh, for for an early kickoff and, and whatever. Maybe he hadn't had his wheat bix. Who knows? But but the point being is he had a bad game, but it weren't just his issue. It was it was the it was the team's not the setup. And you know, like John said, I, I don't want to be battering Ryan Mason, but but they've had all week to work on something. You know, whether or not that's nullifying leads, which it won't be because it's not Joe's anymore, whether or not that's working on their game. So if they're working on their game, working on their game all week, and they've got plans and they know what they're gonna do. And then when they're getting into a match match day and in the match, they're not being able to um, uh, execute them plans or execute what they want to do. You need to have somebody to change the game. Are you with me, lads and listeners? You, have I lost you yet? You know, you need to be able to somebody to get their foot on the ball, scruffing the next stuff and go, I'm, I want, give me the ball. I'm going to do something. And no one did that yesterday at all in the whole match. And then, therefore, then you're looking at your manager say, right, boss, do you want, should we change tank tactically here? Should we do something different? No, that didn't come either. And like, like, I said, like John said, it's, it's bizarre having Giovanni Lo Celso. I can't believe anybody would tell me, watching that 80 minutes that he played yesterday, that he had a good 80 minutes. Yeah, he played 80 minutes. Like, what? Like, he played 80 minutes to the football match. He should have been gone... Well, probably half time for me, but he should have been gone on the 60th minute, you know, and counteract and make a decision first, change the game first. He waited until Rafinha come on. So Bielsa changed the game first and then he reacted, change the game, force it, force the game in what we want to do, not what they're doing. Because that's what the message Ryan was telling us before the game, wasn't it? We're not focused on the opposition. We're focused on what well, we're doing. This is it. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, Chris, coming around to you, Spurs did get back into the game. It was actually, to be fair, a terrific goal from Spurs. Dele Alli ran through the middle. Kane draws the defender out of position with his run. And Ali picked out Sonny, buried the shot. A goal in each of his past three Premier League games now for Hummin Sonny. To be fair to him, is coming back into some form. But do you think, Chris, in a way, Dele Alli, is that really money, one of the only positives to come out of this game where we're starting to see a bit of a bright spark for whoever that new manager is coming in. Do you think there's still a chance that Delhi can be revitalised in a Spurs shirt? Yeah, we've all wanted to see him, uh, you know, perform this season. Um, under Jose, it clearly wasn't working and he wasn't going to get his chance. But under Ryan Mason, of course, you know, they know each other very well. They've played together um, at Spurs. So, yeah, I've, you know, no doubt whatsoever that Ryan Mason will uh, will include Delhi Ali in these remaining games in the Premier League as well. But yeah, it is nice to see him back. Kunmin Son finished again, you know, very nicely. Um, but going back to Lee's point um, about how we set up, that game yesterday, it actually reminded me of when we used to watch Spurs in the 90s under Ozzy Ardiles. 
um, you know, having a very poor defence, having a fantastic attack. Um, and it's like, well, you know, if we score three, um, you know, if, if we let in two, we'll score three kind of thing. That's exactly what it was like. Um, but the defensive... Yeah, but um, we only scored one. <laughs> That's uh, the problem, isn't it? You are. Um, yeah. But um, when you're talking about um, that first goal that we conceded, um, no way should it have even gone through to Regulon because Eric Dyer should have cleared it. You know, what on earth was he doing? As a centre-back, you just clear that ball. You put, your, you, you put everything in front of it. You just get rid of it. And you just let it go. And it's just, that is not good enough. For, for Premier League standard, as a central defender, that is not good enough. And uh, I forget which one of you said it now about, you know, talking all week about, um, you know, they're, they're not my mistakes. Well, they are your mistakes. You, you know, we've seen it all season. You know, Eric Dyer is just not good enough. That was his 200th appearance in the Premier League for Spurs. And, you know, in my opinion, that's 199 more than he should have ever played. You know, the, the first one he played well, he got our winner against West Ham away. That should have been it. End of career. And well, he's not, not a centre-back. No, I, I no the, thing is, the thing is, I was going to say, he's a really intelligent guy by all yeah. accounts. You know, he's yeah, a really yeah. good guy. And he really cares. I don't think he human cares. Being, whatever. Yeah. But no, but, and I think he does care and all that sort mm. of stuff. I just don't think he's got... A foot, you know the footballing brain. Like yeah. I don't mean I'm not being disrespectful to him because he's a really he's much more clever than I am and everything, and he's a good guy. But I just you know some players read the game brilliantly. Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't think he reads the game. I just don't think he sees it coming. You know some some players see it coming. You know a second before it happens. I think he sees it coming a second before it's it's gone. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Too late. Uh, you know that mm. that's what I feel like with him as a centre back. Yeah, but the thing is, they, they scored their goal in the thirteenth minute. They had fantastic chances in the seventh minute and the ninth minute. The goal was coming; you could see it a yeah. mile away. It was coming. Of course. Um, but going back to the Ryan Mason thing about how we set up, you know, I, I think that you know you can set up in that manner against the relegated team in Sheffield United. But when you're going away to Leeds, I just thought that was very naive. I really do, and I think that that's where the in- inexperience shows. And when you think now that he's played against Bielsa and he's played against Pep Guardiola. Um, who, who have beaten us, you know, on both occasions. When you're talking about our three remaining Premier League games, we've got to go up, Ryan Mason's got to go up against Nuno Espirito Santo against Wolves and Brendan Rodgers against Leicester. And these are two two managers that we're being linked with. So, I don't know. But that, that setup thing, just quickly on that, that setup thing, in, right, fine with the personnel, right? Put them on. And I think I think everybody was happy. Well, I certainly was. I can't say everybody. I was I was really happy with the starting eleven, other than Lo Celso per, per se. But, you know, he's a Ryan Mason favourite, as John said, so whatever. So I was, I was quite happy with that. As soon as you saw, and you've just rightly said, seventh minute and ninth minute, they've had their opportunities and they scored in the 13th, right? So you could see it coming. Why don't we just kind of just put Delhi instead of putting him up as almost in the number 10 bit at that point, just bring him back slightly. Just just tuck him in a little bit or tuck our wide players in a little bit more just, just to yeah. hold, just to see how the game pans out for the first 10, 15 minutes or so. But we didn't Defense do that. Defence is stupid, And I'm sorry to stick up for Jose Mourinho, but, you know, and, and I'm sorry to, to go in on Gareth Bale again, but, you know, they need, they need to do a bit more. Um, that's probably why Gareth Bale didn't play in some of the games under Jose, because defensive duties, I felt that there were gaps all over the pitch. And you know, that's why Leeds had so many opportunities. And when you go, uh, you know, that down that wing so many times, they clearly targeted Serge Aurier as a weak link. And the amount of crosses that come in was ridiculous. It needed to stop. And they were right to target him as well. I just wonder, John, coming around to you, everyone talks about kind of defining moments in a game and the momentum shift is which Ryan Mason used. Kane had the ball in the net. It was a lovely move from Tottenham. Again, Ali's quick pass, flag was up. And you look at that VAR decision made. It was 
by the length, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, jovial here. Harry Kane's toenail, that's all I can say was the kind of length of, they've come to the conclusion that he's offside. Do you buy the fact that, John, that is a real momentum change and a mentality shift? Because we were here under Mourinho where certain moments in a game, we dropped our heads and then we just capitulated. I didn't think this was one of those games where that happened. But having said that, again, the decision goes against us. We don't really retaliate and come back into this game. Do you really think that that decision there, does that play a massive part in the game for you? Um, I think it would have played a big part in a couple of things. Certainly for Deli Ali's confidence the rest of the game, he then would have been on two lovely assists. He then goes on for his last games of the season, super confident, good press reaction to him. People, a couple more games, people start talking about this extended Euro squad. Can he get in? He'll now miss out on that talk and that opportunity. Harry Kane would have been confident. He would have scored. It would have been both Sun and Kane scoring. So I do think a lot probably changed on that decision. But we need to be better than that. At the end of the day, and this sounds harsh, but it's true, this was Leeds without Calvin Phillips and without Rafinha. That's two of their three best players, you know. Bamford had a great game, as he, as he seems to always do. I'm a big fan of Patrick Bamford. But, but the other two were, 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 you know, they're fantastic players and they both came on late off the bench and Rafinha to make a notable difference. But, you know, this, this was a Leeds that were there for the taking, if I'm being honest with you, and we just didn't step up. And a lot of that's got to come down to the players who talk the talk and never walk the walk. And that, unfortunately, is academic and true. Um, let's go back round. Chris, coming to you. I know, like I said, we, we did want to go into real depth about this game, but just for everyone's mental sanity, I don't want to take up everyone's too much time on this game because it is mentally so, so tough to deal with. I mean, Ryan Mason said, of course, it could have changed the game on that Kane VR decision. I thought it was on side on the touchline. I've seen it three or four times. My feeling hasn't changed. We then see, Chris, you know, our Spurs completely fall asleep, for least to go and take the lead before the half-time. Regulon and Dyer asleep in different phases of play as Leeds go ahead. And again, man alive, you, you're watching the way that we're meant to be a Premier League team, that you look at the stats, and I think we've still conceded, you know, still, I think, one of the least amount of goals in the Premier League this season. And yet we defend Chris like that. And you just think... How? What? You know, these players have got a week in training where they're looking at the analysts of the opposition. They know what Leeds' strengths are, but yet still we completely switch off. And I go what Leeds says there about Eric Dyer. You know, Eric Dyer for me, good guy, clearly cares. But I've always said this for me, he's not a centre-back. He is not a centre-back. I don't quite know what Dyer's best position is. I don't know what his best position is anymore, Chris. I really don't know. But all I know is watching him, he's not a centre-back. We're all over the place. We're, we were all over the place. It's, it's, it's all well and good having the same defence and having that consistency of the same defence, but it's consistent mistakes. That's what it is. You know, when you've got players like Eric Dyer in defence, I don't think we've got much of a chance. And, and, and Serge Aurier as well. These players aren't good enough. They need to be replaced as soon as possible. And that, you know, we can keep going back to the recruitment side of things. You know, you can imagine Jose Mourinho saying, oh, um, you know, Excuse me, Mr. Chairman, Daniel Levy, we want Bruno Fernandes, you know, great player from Portugal. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we've got a Fernandes, but, you know, we, we've got Jetson Fernandes for you. Oh, we want Skriniar. Oh, no, we can't do Skriniar, but um, we've got this good guy from Swansea called Joe Roden. You know, he'll it, be it'll be good for us. Um, you know, this is it's constant. It is constant. We need we need better players coming in. And, you know, this is where I'm really worrying right now as a, as a new manager coming in. You know, a brand new manager comes in. We're going around in circles. You know, Lee, um, Lee, Lee talked about all those managers earlier. It's just going around in circles. We are going around in circles 
unless something changes. Something has to change within the club um, because, you know, 13 long years, you know, dare I say it about the trophies, 13 long years about the trophies, you know, all we keep doing is celebrating winning a semi-final. You know, I was there in Ajax. It was a fantastic day. One of the best days of my life supporting Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but at the end of the day, we didn't win anything. You know, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating an, a, a semi-final win. You know, we should be celebrating trophies. I'm so frustrated and feel so sad and, and, and starting to feel very angry about what's happening right now because I want my football club back. I want the, the togetherness back. I want, you know, that, that aggression back. I want that fight back. And I just don't see it from any of these players right now. And it's just really, really getting on my nerves. It really is, Rick. What we give just as a connection, Chris, just that word connection again, just to feel that feeling that we had, you know, going backwards. And it's just so tough. The more to about this game, the more it's just so depressing. You know, Spurs, to be fair, they did have the ball in the net again, but Kane's time was well offside. And at that point, you just felt, you know, substitutions were going to be so, so key in this game. And then we see Lamella and Lucas, you know, for Delhi and Bao, slightly strange subs. And under Mason, I will say that, I feel for him because, as John has said, you know, it's a job that no one put the gun to your head and say, take it. But at the same time, you just wonder, would a more experienced manager make the changes which Ryan made? And again, we don't watch these players in training. Probably. Jose probably would have made him. Well, Jose Jose would have hauled off Bale. He probably wouldn't even played him, to be fair. mm -hmm. And he would have hauled off Delhi, and he wouldn't even played him either. So he he probably would have, as a more experienced manager, sorry to cut across you. Mm -hmm. What I'd also say as well is the, the, the changes were just like for like. You took off a number 10 and brought on a number 10. You took off a wide player and put on a wide player. But all I would say no, is... No, I would, there's nothing changes there. All, all I would say, Lee, is all I would say with Lo Celso, Lo Celso was on the pitch you know, a lot longer than what he should have been on. And, and this is what I'm saying. Like, it didn't, but why, so why didn't he take Lo Celso off and change the game up? Why didn't he bring somebody on to, to, to like I said, mm. in, in the first seven, eight, nine minutes or whatever? Yeah. He didn't. Like people saying about Bale, and fair enough, like, I, I, I find it very, very difficult to criticise Bale. I do. But, you know, and there's been some criticism and he has to stand up and play better than that. But if you've got Gareth Bale on, 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 in your side, you're not expecting him to chase back. Although he was the other day, by the way, um, not, not on Saturday. But you're not expecting him. Put him in the middle. He scored, three, he scored three goals against Sheffield United. Not one of them, not one of them come from the right-hand side. Not one. They were all down the middle. Yeah. You've got Delis just sitting there. Change it up. When did Gareth Bale go to the left-hand side? On, on, on the weekend. When did he go over to the left? When did Song come over to the right? When did Belly go over to the right? When did Delhi drop back a little bit? When did Lacelso do a do a pivot with um uh, with Delhi in, in central midfield? He just didn't do this stuff. None of them did it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And Chris, going back to the point you mentioned, Eric Dyer, what is he? Centre back, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I'll, I'll give you this. What is Eric Dyer? What is Winks? What is Lucas? What is, what is Lamella? What is Lacelso? What is Ndombele? I'm serious here. What are they? Is Ndombele a holding midfielder? No. Is he a number eight? Not really. Is he a number ten? Don't really know. What about Lucas? What is he? Is he a winger? Is he? Is he a number nine? Is he a false nine? Is he play for? They don't bloody know. Never as a team, we buy players that we think that we can get a, 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 a value on or move on value. We don't buy players to play in a position that we need them to play in. I've just reeled off six players there that mm. no one can tell me exactly what their position is. That's and the and the thing is, we're expecting to sell these players and bring in major, you know, major money to then rebuild our squad. So if you don't know what they are, you know, why are other Premier League clubs can I, can or any, I buy them? any team Eric, that 
Eric Dyer's first game for Tottenham. What Oxford, do they want to buy? Million, four million pound move. Eric Dyer's first game for Tottenham. Oxford. You said earlier it was West Ham. We won one nil. We scored the goal. Do you know what position you played that day? Right back. Played yep. the right back. Can make this stuff up. We've had Eunice Cabal in the back in the day playing centre back. He played right back as well. Eunice Cabal put the, uh, he played right back when he put the ball in um, with that amazing away day, John, that you referenced on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, when we beat Man City, Crouchy scored. He had to beat Man City eight, uh, one nil and got Champions League. Um, when Bentley threw the ice bucket over Harry Redknapp, you know that was Eunice Cabal playing right back. And we just don't have a cl- like the whole club. I want to see players playing in the position that they're playing in because they're good enough to play in that position. Do, do you not agree with me? This that's is mean, basic what, stuff. what you're asking for, Lee, is just the standard obligation of what, you know, should be the case for a football club. I mean, John... Buy a player, put him in the, put him in the put side him in the where he's brilliant at and play him there. That's it. And if they ain't good enough, swap him out. I agree. Coach I mean, them. I totally agree. John, just to finish up on this debacle of a game, for, you know, this Leeds game, um, Leeds had the ball in the net again through Rodrigo. All the Spurs players, John, they all seem to think it was offside in the build-up. The flag didn't go up. VR confirmed that Eric Dahl was the man playing them onside. It just uh, that really kind of summed up the day. Just, just not there. Just, just really not there as a team. Not there as a club. And it kind of then kind of leads you to think, you know, I've got to be honest, John. Don't you agree? I think Fuller Reese, we could have been on a cricket score. It, it could have really turned embarrassing. Some good saves there from Hugo Lloris. I just, John, after that, you just feel so low, don't you? It's hard to not feel low after a performance like that. Yeah, I felt incredibly low and it ruined my whole weekend. But uh, as you said, credit to Hugo Lloris. I thought he was absolutely outstanding and it could have been five or six without him. Um, it's not the first time he, he stood up tall this season and done very well for us. When people point the finger, oh, let's get him out, let's do this. He should be near the back of your list. It's someone who's stuck with us through the good and the bad. Mm. He's a World Cup winning captain. And uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's certainly not one of our worst players. And well, another player I want to point the finger out while we're talking about players. Yeah. I was hugely unimpressed with Endon Bele's actually attitudes coming onto the pitch. Yeah. It took him an absolute age to get into a, a position. He was like he'd just done a full marathon before he, he looked knackered before he walked shattered. on, didn't he? He looked that's awful. Didn't he, John? You know, this is it's not we're losing a game. We're getting our, our joint highest paid player and our record ever signing to come on to try and show something about him. And he came on looking absolutely shattered. I mean, it's not acceptable. It really isn't. And he had the wrong body language as he came onto the pitch. And I wasn't impressed with it at all. It really, really angered me, actually. Joe, it's... I think we'll totally leave... Agree. I I, I totally own, agree. I think for our own sanity, we'll leave Leeds there because it could end up even finishing us off. We're going to go for a final break of the show. Taking you into the final break, we've got a preview from a Wolves podcaster who's very kindly lent us their thoughts. When we return, because of the nature of just how far this game is away, we're just going to come back and give you our predictions. Don't think anything crazy, bearing in mind the week and the month we've had as Spurs fans. So, like I say, final break of the show. We'll be back with you after, like I say, this final break. Okay, Eric's with us at Ellen Road. Ended up 3 1 in the end, Eric. I mean, we were always in it. What did you think of the game? Yeah, I thought, um, I thought Leeds were a better side first half. Uh, they, uh, they, they make things very difficult, you know, very, very uh, aggressive. Um, you know, they create controlled chaos from their point of view, and we, we didn't control that so well ourselves in the first half. We, we, got in, we, we let ourselves get into their game a bit too much. Um, and then, yeah, got back into it once, conceded again, you know, poor goals we've conceded and and uh, I think we should be going in 2-2 with the Harry's goal and and then um, second half we did better, I think, especially for like the first 30 minutes or so. Um, we had a bit more control of the game, but uh, yeah, we didn't create enough chances. 
such a fractional call on, on Harry's goal. But I mean, offside is offside, bottom line. Um, but that would have been ideal, wouldn't it? If we could just, if that would have stood, that would yeah, have put yeah. us in a good place, wouldn't it? Yeah, the problem is that, that, that I've seen, I've seen the image, and it's just difficult to understand how good the technology can be to tell me that that's offside or not, you know, because um, I just. I, I struggle to believe that it can be in that moment, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's difficult to understand. Um, but, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, we, I think, you know, we did well second half for most of it. We, that we're always going to concede a few opportunities in transition because that's one of their strengths and we're obviously chasing, chasing the result, but yeah. we didn't manage that well enough. How do you see it now for the rest of it? Because I say three games. Look, we've got to try and win all these three games. We're still in the shake-up, but this is, leaves it a bit more difficult, doesn't it? Now? Yeah, of course. We needed to win all four, and now we've lost here today, so it's a lot more difficult. But we just got to try and win as many games as we can to the end of the season and, and see where that see where that uh, that leaves us. You know, um, we know it's not. It's never been in our hands, and it's still not. And we have to we have to focus on ourselves. And I think you know, for many reasons, we need to you know play try and improve as a team, win, win, uh, win the last three games for, for everything. Two home games to come, mate. One in front of the fans, so they're yeah. the two, aren't they? Win those. And yeah, no, it'd be great to have the fans back. You know, we got a, we got a taste of it in the, the cup final, and that was fantastic. And yeah, it'll, it'll be great to have them back at, back at home. Um, as you said, two home games, and we have to, yeah, there's nothing else other than trying to win both of them. We have a whole week now to prepare and do, do some more work, um, which which is you know it's disappointing because we we had a good week this week you know leading into this game and I think everyone felt in a good place, but this is a tough place to come and play. Um, but yeah, now another good week's work and and two big games at home. Okay, Ryan's with us at Ellen Road. Ended up three one. Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on the game? Disappointing to lose a game of football. Um, they started better than us. They were bright. They they, they got the goal lead. Um, then we we responded well and scored a good goal ourselves. And then I think at one one there was an offside decision that I, I can't believe it was given the offside. And it's amazing what stuff like that can do for the momentum of the game. Um, went in two one at half time. Disappointing, but I thought the second half we come out and we created some openings. We had some some big moments and um, in games like this where it's tight you, you probably need to take them we didn't um, last 10-15 minutes obviously we had to open up and chase the game and they scored a, scored another goal yeah you, key moments you, you've just nailed it there and key, just key moments went against us didn't they today yeah went against us and um, I don't think we're probably as clinical as we would have liked to have been um, their keeper pulled off two really good saves Harry obviously hit the bar um, the offside decision is a big moment. It's a big moment in a football match when it's 1-1. But listen, it's, it's a disappointing afternoon because we've lost a game of football. OK, so we know it's game to game to game. Three left now, Ryan. Two at home coming up. But bottom line is we've got to win those games, haven't we? And then to see where we are, I guess. Yeah, we have to win our next game. Um, today was a focus. We've had a disappointing result. Um, so... It's gonna it's gonna take a bit of time to, to get over that because it hurts. But we need to work well in the week. We will work well. We'll work hard, and uh, we'll be best prepared for the weekend because it's a it's a big game for us. Well, hello guys. My name is Dave from 
Talking uh, Talking Wolves, a Wolves fan channel, um, and looking ahead to, to Wolves versus Spurs this uh, this weekend. Been a bit of a strange season, you could say, for both teams for different reasons, um, really. But in terms of Wolves campaign, it has been <clears throat> quite frustrating uh, at times, um, unpredictable, you could say as well. Um, you look right at the start of our season, obviously coming off the back of a, such a long and, and difficult season last last year, and then coming into this season with very little preparation, uh, no pre-season. Um, it was going to be tricky, but we started off really well, to be honest. We got a great win on the opening day against Sheffield United, which at the time seemed like a great win because they'd been a very decent team the previous season, but obviously not really been the case um, this campaign. But you, I know a lot of people have said it, but the obvious one is that you point to around the start of December when, unfortunately, Raul Jimenez got quite a serious injury. And we've just really not been able to gain a good, solid, consistent run of form since since then, to be honest. Um, I know we had a really tr tricky run of fixtures around the Christmas time where we played you guys. I think it was a 1-1 draw in the end. We played Manchester United as well, where we lost quite late on. So there have been games where we grinded out points, grinded out results. But in terms of the overall play this season, I think fans have been very, very disappointed that we haven't really been able to offer that attractive football that we've seen under the, under Nuno over the last sort of three or four years or so, especially during that championship camp campaign and the, the season after that, really. But a lot of that has been due to injuries. Jimenez injured. Uh, Neto's got quite a long-term injury now, uh, this final chunk of the season. Daniel Pedence has been in and out with injuries. Um, just overall, it, it's been all over the place. And if Wolves can have a really solid transfer window this summer uh, coming up and just a consistent, being able to field a consistent team next year, I think, you know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see a Wolves of the last couple of years where we're knocking on the door of the top six, top seven and taking points off these off these big teams again, really. Um, but in recent recent weeks, it's been interesting. Um, got a couple of injuries, like I said before. But now Nuno, because we know we're safe from the Premier League and uh, for you know Premier League survival is secured. Uh, but we're not quite hitting the heights of European football. Um, he can experiment a little bit. We've gone back to this four at the back formation, a four like a four-two-three-one, which he tried to experiment with towards the start of the season, and unfortunately, it didn't quite work due to the injuries that we had. Um, so we've gone back to this now with no real pressure on us. He's introduced a lot of young players into the team. And you know what? They've done all right. Um, got a couple of good results recently, beating teams that we should be beating. And uh, got a 1-1 draw against uh, West Brom in the Black Country derby last weekend. Uh, a bank holiday it was. Uh, it wasn't too bad of a result. Um, and today, on, on Sunday, sorry, when I'm recording this, we picked up a pretty good 2-1 victory over Brighton as well. Uh, they did go down to 10 men. We struggled for the first half with their physicality uh, from set pieces and so on. But we, we started and did really, really well. And the players that have sort of come to the forefront now, I think, you know, Morgan Gibbs-White, who's not really had a shout all season. He was out on loan at Swansea. He's been recalled and come back into the team. Had a really decent game today in Molyneux. Um, Fabio Silva as well. A lot of eyes have been on him due to his high price tag, um, and, and you know that that's due. You know he was never meant to be our first he, uh, our first choice striker this season. He was meant to be bedded in slowly over the next couple of years. 
but he's really shown why we paid that sort of money for him uh, with the goal contributions that he's getting. It's not just his goal scoring, it's the drawing of the fouls, the, you know, getting other players involved in the play, drawing players away. It's really been impressive and he's, he's getting a, a decent number of uh, goal goal contributions over the last few weeks or so. Uh, Vitinha or Vitor Ferreira is a young lad that we brought in on loan from Porto and again, he's starred in the last couple of weeks. So if you ask me to choose a lineup. Uh, for the game against Spurs, it would be quite difficult because it's really one of those, is Nuno going to stick with how we've been playing over the last couple of weeks or is he going to revert the the team and the formation back to what we've used to being seen because Spurs are such a strong opposition? Um, I think with Spurs being a little bit fragile recently and obviously not really at the moment knowing what's happening, I would be inclined to possibly stick with the 4-2-3-1 that we've been playing. But to name a lineup, it would be very, very difficult. But I'll, I'll try my best for you uh, right now, obviously, without knowing all the, you know, if anyone's injured or whatever. But I'd say Patricio will start in goal. Nelson Tomato right back. Probably Kilman and Cody at centre-back. If not, we'll see Romain Sace in there. I know he scored that equaliser against Spurs earlier in the season. Ryan Ait Nori at left back, who's been a very good young player in on loan uh, from French club Angers. Centre mids, I'd probably say Neves and Bettino, but we may well see Dendonka in there. And then the attacking four really is going to be interesting. I think Fabio Silva definitely at the top of that attacking um, attacking part of the of the pitch. But Adama Traore started when he came on. I'd probably start him. Daniel Pudence is there. Vitinha is there. Morgan Gibbs White is there. So lots of choices for Nuno really, but. It's going to be a tricky game, but I always back my team. It's going to be a... Uh, do I back my team? Yeah, go on. I'm going to say a 2-1 Wolves victory, but guys, you know, it could go either way. And best of luck for the rest of the season. Obviously, uh, under Ryan Mason, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with Spurs over the summer because, you know, it's such an in intriguing project right now for, for any manager that takes a look at it. Hello and welcome back to the third and final part of the last one on Spurs. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy lives to listen to all of us here talk about Tottenham and try and find some understanding of what is going on at our club. And you've probably found out the last hour, uh, we know as much as you do, probably not much. We really don't know what's going on right now. And yeah, like all of us, we kind of await to see what's left of this absolutely car crash of a season. And next up, John, I actually want to come to you is Wolves for us against the potential um, reported candidate that Spurs may be looking at in Nuno Santos. I don't think he's going to end up getting the job, but he's one that's been linked. Um, <laughs> the reaction on this Zoom call, I tell you, you can tell he's not impressed. But, you know, Spurs is level at the moment. Who are we to be turning down managers the way we're playing? I tell you. John, what do you expect ahead of this game? Because Wolves is never an easy game. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm not that confident going into it. Are you? What are you expecting? Uh, Wolves are always a tough game, but they have lost their focal point this season, unfortunately, with the terrible injury Raul Jimenez suffered. I'm pleased to see he's returned to some form of training now, but I'm also pleased to see he won't be playing against Tottenham because Jimenez is an outstanding player and he's been their real focal point for, for a couple of seasons in the Premier League. They signed William Jose. I'm glad that's the bullet we dodged um, because he, he's nowhere near the level of Jimenez, more akin to a Carlos Vinicius type. Um, but yeah, Wolves will always be a hard game. They obviously got their, their late win uh, this weekend. Uh, they always have good midfield players, the likes of Pedro Neto, uh, Ruben Neves, Yao Martino, someone I wish we got a decade ago and we came close to getting. Yeah. Um, but, 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 you know, Wolves at home, I think the home form has been fairly decent. We beat, obviously, uh, Southampton, beat Sheffield United comfortably. I've somehow predicted another Tottenham win. But again, it won't come from a, a great team move. It won't come from a great tactical masterpiece or, or understanding. It will come like it always does this season, 
from moments of individual brilliance from one of Son or Kane or maybe Gareth Bale. And that will be the difference between the two sides. Uh, Tottenham probably end up winning this game 1-0. I'll tell you, optimistic. I wasn't even predicting that, but there you go. <laughs> Chris, I want to come around to you next because of that reaction that you showed there. You looked absolutely in amazement that John's gone for a 1-0 win. Chris, I can see over your face. I mean, in an ideal world this week, we'd like to see some form of communication by the club, wouldn't we? We'd like to see something that kind of comes out and gives us some kind of hope that there's some understanding as to how we're feeling as fans. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. I mean, what do you think, Chris? Ahead of this week, do you think we're going to hear anything from the club? Or do you think we're just going to go into this Wolves game in exactly the same position we are? And yeah, tell us what you think about the game itself coming up. I'm, I'm baffled why you, you would even ask that question. What, what, what makes you think that there would be any communication? Well, I just think because of the nature now of just the toxicity towards the board and how low we are as fans. I would say general fan media at the moment and the way in which there is now a real, real, I feel, um, anger towards the board. Something you feel has got to give here. Something at some point has got to give. It has. Something has got to give. Um, you know, there's protests, as, as John mentioned, uh, at the weekend, both on Saturday and Sunday. That'd be interesting to see what happens. Uh, will it change anything? I'm not so sure. Um, I just feel very sad, Rick, as, as, as a Spurs fan right now. I feel sad that there's no communication between the board and the fans. Um, you know, Martin Cloak um, hit the nail on the head when, when he turned around and said that, um, you know, you've lost more loyal supporters um, against you. You know, he tweeted that the other day. And, and I, I, I just feel that, you know, you hit the nail on the head there because as a club, if you just keep annoying your fans, um, it can only go one way. And I feel like to, tonight on this show, I feel like I've just ranted and I feel like I've just moaned and complained about Spurs. And this isn't me. And, and, and when it's changing people like me, you know, my opinion, um, you know, what's it doing to other fans? Um, because as I say, I, I'm normally very, very positive about my club. Um, but when I see performances like Saturday against Leeds, you know, you're asking me for a prediction against Wolves, you know, next week. You know, what can you say? How, how, how can you f feel positive? Because like I said earlier, all those results, you know, the, the, the very down moments of this season, you know, personally, I can't wait until this season is over. Um, I know a lot of us Spurs fans always say, oh, well, it's in the summer, we'll do X, Y and Z. In the summer, we'll do this, we'll do that. In the summer, will we do it? That's the question. Where is the direction? Are we going to do anything? Um, you know, the manager, none of us know, you know, whether we're going to have a new manager or not. Will Ryan Mason be, uh, you know, put in permanently? It wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Um, are we going to sell some players? You know, who are going to want to be by these players that haven't performed? for Mauricio Pochettino, haven't performed for Jose Mourinho, are not performing now for Ryan Mason. You know, Daniel Levy will probably want, you know, money back. If you're going to sell Moussa Sissoko, pay £30 million for him. Is he going to take a loss? Probably not. So you're not going to move these players on. So it's going to, honestly, it's a, it's a real mess. And that, Five that's million quite... max. And that's lucky, isn't it? Five exactly. million for exactly. Sissoko if you're lucky. But this, this is why I feel so down because I, I just see that there's so many problems. And sadly, I think that, you know, that some of these situations I think are going to get even worse before they get better. Um, but this is a huge, huge summer coming up for the football club, um, for the board, for the players, you know, players like Harry Kane, we've not even touched on Harry Kane, where we all think that he will be at the club next oh, season. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, like I keep saying, Rick, I keep using that word mess. It is a mess. And there's yeah. just so many things to be sorted, so many discussions to be had. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Spurs need to start looking after the fans. And and, and as I said earlier on, on, on the podcast, I want to, you know, get this announcement from Spurs. You know, I don't think it will happen, but I would love it to. No. You know, that, that they come out and say, you know what, for the Aston Villa game, we're going to give every single fan coming in our stadium mm. a free ticket to say sorry. That's why I asked you if you think there's any, any statement. But I, I, would, think, I, yeah. I would love that to happen. It, it needs mm. to happen because yeah. they start building bridges because that gap, as you said earlier on the show, is mm. getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. And it is not a nice feeling. You know, there's so much animosity amongst the fan base right now. Mm. And it's just not nice. It no. really isn't. And, and as I said, you know, for someone who's so positive about my club, I'm, f- I'm really struggling. Yeah, yeah. Nice way of div- diverting from walls there, Chris. I won't put it to you. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. One, one. Okay. Lee, to close the show, you just want to get your thoughts, I say, on the game itself, the planned protest ahead. What do you think? Oh, is that going to achieve anything for you? Will, will that achieve anything? Will that bring some um, spotlights to the situation? Will there be, you know, eventually a buyer that's actually going to see that situation? Do you know what? I'm going to invest in Tottenham. I'm going to challenge Enoch. What do you think is going to come about that and give us your prediction for Wolves? I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about if there's going to be some buyers queuing up and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you've got EK, haven't you, looking at Arsenal and, and that seems to be like quite a serious situation. So, you know, things might come uh, uh, out of things like that. I think that, um, you know, to be fair to, to them not down the road, their peaceful protests that they did a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago uh, outside the Emirates, I thought they were outstanding. It was an ex- excellent turnout. Um, and, you know, when, when you're talking about football as a whole, sometimes you've got to put rivalries to one side and just respect the whole football community. Um, and, you know, I think that if protests are going to happen, hopefully they're going to be peaceful. We don't want to see what what, what we saw against, um, you know, the Manchester United and Liverpool. Uh, well, it's Manchester United fans, wasn't it? But uh, or say I say fans loosely. Um, but but nonetheless, the protest got a bit out of hand. So uh, we don't want to be seeing that, but we wanted to see a, a good turnout. And look, and, 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 you know, let our voices be heard. I think that's the most frustrating thing. You can hear in Chris's passionate, um, uh, you know, uh, piece there where, where you can feel and you can hear his passion and feel the frustration in all of us. In, in, and we're all, all fans and we, we, we want to know why. We want to know what the plan is. I just want the club to come out and say, we're sorry. This is we made some mistakes. This is what we're, we're we've done. This is what we're. This is the gesture. This is what we're going to do moving forward. This is what our plan is. is and that, that that's what no I want to hear. I want to hear that. As a is it beyond fan. the point of no return for you, or is there a chart? Is there an honest branch that can be offered here? What do you reckon? When, when when you look over the last twenty years and one trophy, um, I, I think I think that you know something fundamentally has to change yep. with the ownership. Whether or not the owners need to go, whether or not an ink need to go. Is 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 uh, you know I, I think that's that's very very complex right like you, like we've said loads of times before yeah. there's no one queuing up for free with three billion quid ready to to, to rock up um, and, and purchase but you know I think that whether or not they they need to go maybe they need to kind of step away from you know running that football inside and let somebody or a conglomerate or you know a pe- people run the football inside of the club. You know, running budgets, like I said this on the WhatsApp group, and I know people like laugh at me or whatever, but you know, if you have a plan, a three-year, four-year plan, and you can turn around and go, right, we're going to spend 300 million quid. I know everyone's laughing right now when you say that, but we're going to spend 300 million quid over a period of time. Yeah, we're going to shift out some of the some of the players. I think what the club's done really well is actually get some of our superstars on some really long contracts. Because you imagine, imagine Harry Kane having a year left now. I think Glenn touched on the point yesterday in commentary. Imagine having Harry Kane at a year left on his contract. He's gone. 
But he's, he's got four years left on his contract, right? So that's going to be very complex anyway, even if he does ask. I don't think he'll ever put a transfer request in, but who knows? Uh, f- uh, things have been different in the past. But I'll put a fan request in. I think the process are good. Yeah, I think I was happy. Uh, maybe Steve Hitchin will put a transfer request in. That'll be a result. Um, but I, I, I think that, so fundamentally, club... Yeah, yeah. Some, you know, fundamentally, the the purpose of the football club, our why, we need one, and that's all. As a fan, I'm asking for that. You yeah. know, you know, I'm not going to lie. I think everybody knows I'm a season ticket holder. Mm. Um, I may or may not have got one in the ballot, but we did apply, and we cancelled it yesterday. Um, we did apply for the ballot, and we just said between us, six uh, season ticket holders mm. said, you know what, we, we ain't going to that. We're yeah. not giving them sixty quid. Um, and uh, we're we're not going to go to that football match because it's it's uh, you know it probably will serve up a load of dross. So you know, and that's not me not supporting my football club. Mm. That's me supporting my own. Well, putting my family first, actually. To to be fair, rather than the other. And, and why not? And 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 good on you. And just finally, you need to close it. Wolves on the wolves. Yeah, on the wolves thing. Look, I think that. At home, we're a different proposition, and I think that we need to go and win win the football match. Simple as that. It's pride and passion at, at, at bay, and I, and I do think we'll win. I don't think it'd be. There's been a lot of goals: three twos, three ones, three two threes, two ones, whatever over the last four or five uh, games. Yep. Um. So I think we'll win three one. I okay. do. I think we'll win three one. Let me just say a massive thank you, Chris. It's been a difficult show, been a difficult season, hasn't it, with Tottenham? Um. No trophies are coming, but um, all I can say is I can't wait to the summer. I can't even say that. Roll on the end of the season, Chris. How sad is that? Do you know what? We need to finish. I know, I know as much as uh, this show has probably come across as quite negative to a lot of the listeners. but I, I would say it's we, honest, though. I think we'd just be honest. Honest, yeah. honest, honest exactly. Honest, yeah. Um, but we do need to focus on these three games. You know, yeah. Somehow, just try and get nine points out yeah. of these possible three. I know some mm-hmm. people are probably laughing at that, but we have to get Europe. We might get top four, league. Chris. We might get top four. We, do you know what? All, all joking aside, even if it is Europa League, um, we have to have European football because whoever does come in as new boss, um, you know, they've got to have European football at their stadium next season. So let's hope that, you know, we can finish um, the season on a high, but it's going to be hard. Yeah, as always. Thank you so much, Chris. John, um, for one of the most positive Spurs fans, and only Chris that I know, that's always bled white and blue. That's someone that cares deeply about the club and where it's going. I know for you this is difficult right now because just like you said, there's so much fundamentally wrong. We need that appointment in the summer to be right, to try and fix some of the issues, if not all the issues that is wrong with the club at the moment. Thank you so much as always for coming on the show. Rick, it's a pleasure. I love talking to you and the boys. So uh, yeah, it's good to sort of get these things out there and hopefully we've provided some therapy to our loyal fans so thanks again for listening in these difficult times yeah and yeah just want to echo what chris said it is vital we do get some form of european football i hope it's the europa league now because obviously yep. the champions league is gone and i'd even take the europa conference and i'd just use that as an opportunity to blood our young players and get them playing regularly involved in playing in front of you know in proper stadiums and, and things like that i don't see that as being a complete disaster yes there'd be a bit of banter but if we said from the outset look we're using this as an opportunity to blood our youngsters the likes of alfie divine dane starlet um, Rashad Maturin, many others, Dennis Serkin, Harvey White, etc. And we said that from the outset, this is what we're doing. I'd be happy with that. It's better than nothing. It gives a yeah. chance for our young players to develop and I'd be fine with that. So mm-hmm. let's hope we can get some sort of European football. Agree. And Lee, I'm sure you're going to echo those thoughts as well, as always. Can't thank you enough for coming on the show in real difficult circumstances. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, look, and it's not a whinge bag. You know, it's just like we say, we, we wear our heart on our season. We're just yeah. being honest. Uh, and uh, look, uh, weirdly enough, I've, I've actually, <laughs> not weirdly, I've enjoyed talking Perver- to you, boy. I, I like talking to you a lot. Yeah, but, you know, mm-hmm. getting off your chest is really cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just disappointing. I mean, come on, step up, for God's sake. One day, come on, two days, three, just step up and go and do the business for the last three games of the season, will Because quite frankly, I've had enough of it. Go and do the business. Get the f- nine for, points. For your own and then we, pride. We go for your again own in the pride summer. as players. For your own pride as yeah, players, for God's come sake. Come on, man. You want mm. transfers to go and win stuff. Well, step up then for the last three games. Have some personal pride. Yeah, agree. Guys, we'll be back next weekend. Listen, most importantly, keep safe. Keep well. It feels even weird saying this at the moment where we're playing. As always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.